official podcast is presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen here in Scottsdale, Arizona with ESPN's Diana Rossini. Diana, a lot of people around Robert Sala today at the AFC Coaches Breakfast. What do you make of the Jets' search for a veteran quarterback? So my thought while I was listening to Coach Talk was it reminded me of Aaron Rodgers a few years ago when he stood up at the podium after a game and said R-E-L-A-X, right? And he's like, relax, everyone. Uh, I felt like Salah had that same energy of, look, we can only do so much at this point. I don't have any updates. You know, he pointed to Joe Douglas a lot on, on the details mm-hmm. uh, of this trade getting done. But I think I, I still believe they feel really hopeful and optimistic. This is going to work out. It's just not done yet. And, and I think they're in a really hard position right now to answer these questions because everyone wants to know what's the holdup, what's going on here. When's this getting done? Uh, but the fact that he used his name, I thought that was a good first step, right? <laughs> Hearing coach say Aaron Rodgers, uh, but also the fact that he, he acknowledged we're not hitting the paddock button here. What about timetables? from everybody's perspective. So maybe starting from the Jets and then get to Green Bay. Yeah, I, you know, look, you, you heard Salah say he would he would have loved to have Rodgers in the building three years ago, uh, you know, to coach him up. But in terms of the reality where this is at, it, this is going to be some more time. That, yeah. That's the sense I'm getting here at the league meetings, that this is just, this is, you know, both sides are, are not communicating uh, daily. It's, it's a little... They're a little bit of a, at a standstill right now. Um, but as much as this looks like it's moving in the right direction, and, and I do believe it is, it's just not official yet. And, and there still needs to be to be work done. And you have to figure, you know, the next two days, you've got all the important players here to make this happen. They're going to have to have a conversation here. Unless they're okay with just being awkward and walking by each other. But <laughs> at some point here, they're going to have to talk. and. I'm sure there'll be many cameras trying to capture that. But, um, yeah, there's there's definitely still things that need to be discussed for this to to finally happen. From your perspective, should there be a magic middle point that works for everybody? We know Aaron Rodgers made his intentions clear. He wants to play next year. He wants to play for the Jets. Seems like draft pick compensation. Everybody's talking about that. Uh, Packers want something and the Jets Mm -hmm. are willing to give up maybe something else. So where do you think this should go? Well, I thought it was really interesting when Rich Samini asked, what's the backup plan here if Aaron Rodgers doesn't work out, which I'm sure Jets fans listening right now um, are screaming like, what, what? They have to think about another plan. But the reality is you do because you never know with these things and, you know, what could happen. But um, I think the fact that they're operating in the building as if Aaron's going to be there, I think is a really good sign. But just like in every negotiation, everyone's going to have to give a little. Mm-hmm. That's just the the way it works. No, no one side ever truly gets every single thing they want. And, you know, it's funny. I was actually thinking when Sala was talking about a potential backup plan, he didn't reveal anything. Um, wouldn't it be interesting if the Jets actually put it out? That the, what their backup plan was maybe turns the heat up on the Packers a little bit here, yeah. get a little leverage in the situation because <laughs> we know they want to move them, right. right? They don't want Aaron Rodgers on the roster anymore. They've been pretty transparent about that. They've shared their thoughts that they're ready to move on with Jordan Love. So 
uh, I'm interested to see how this is going to go the next few weeks. And if, if the games start getting played a little bit to get, to, to get the ball, you know, over the goal line here. You think ultimately it gets done? I do. Before I, the 2023 season? I do. Okay. I think this thing gets done. <laughs> I, someone's going to give. So it was very interesting because Robert's talking, but at the same time, apparently everybody's scrambling on their phones and people move to the Baltimore table because Lamar Jackson takes to social media and says he'd like to be traded. Um, what did you make of what you heard from Lamar today? And what does his landscape look like? Yeah. And what, are, what are the Ravens going to do at this point? Well, all right, let's take a step back here. <laughs> let's paint the picture of what this looked like, right? So you have, <laughs> you know, dozens of media members sitting around a round table, uh, peppering coach with questions. And two minutes into the chat, Lamar Jackson tweets that he had requested a trade on March 2nd. Uh, that he no longer wanted to play in Baltimore. Essentially, that's what that means, right? If you're requesting a trade, um, and, and, and look, that we, we knew trade was on the table, right? Sure. But by Lamar saying that he put in a request for the trade tells you that that's essentially him saying, I no longer want to be a Baltimore Raven. Mm -hmm. So that happens, and Coach has to respond to that. Now, look, Coach obviously knew that Lamar has asked for a trade, so he had the information in his mind, and I'm sure he's... It's gone through it if he were to get asked, because we all know everything gets out eventually. Um, but I thought the timing of that was all very suspect, um, <laughs> to say the least, to tweet that two minutes you know, after the head coach sits down to speak to the media and perhaps maybe blindside him a little bit with that. But in terms of what this looks like for Lamar, yeah. I, I have yet to find a team that is – uh, significantly interested who's, you know, an organization that's having really heavy conversations with ownership about making this happen. There's been no team. There's been teams that have done some due diligence. I talked to the Colts today. Right. They, they, they're like, look, we're, we have to do our homework on everybody. Uh, so it wasn't a no, but it wasn't a hard yes either. It wasn't like, this is, this is who we think is, is the future for us. So where, where does that leave us now? Well, things are pretty chilly between Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens now. Yeah. If you remember three months ago, four months ago, things were good. They were fine. And it's it really seems like this thing has taken a really hard right turn uh, for the bad, really. And, and it makes you wonder, you know, if you asked me this yesterday, I would have said to you, I think this ends with Lamar Jackson going back to Baltimore. Right. Everyone makes up and we're all good. I don't know anymore. I don't know what happens now because how does he go back to Baltimore now that he has requested a trade? And from what I can gather after having conversations with a lot of different people in the league about this, it's a, yes, it's about the money. It is. But there's also things that the Baltimore Ravens have done within this contract that have, uh, that's upset Lamar. Yeah. And he's not happy about that yeah. and the treatment of it and the feeling that the place that he thought that has built their entire team around isn't willing to just give a little bit more going back to some negotiation chat, giving a little bit more for him, I think is insulting to him. And I think, I think at this point he's okay wearing any helmet that matters as long as he's getting that contract for Jets fans following the Rogers situation. Yes. There's a lot of folks out there who have interests or from a fan perspective saying, Hey, Lamar Jackson would be interesting in green and white. If you're Joe Douglas, do you make that call just to have cursory conversations with Baltimore or at this point, 
Yeah. You're, 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 you're staying with Rogers. You know, we're going to have conversations and continue conversations with the Packers and see where this leads because we have a surefire Hall of Famer, four time NFL MVP who said his intentions is to play with us yeah. next year. Nobody wants me to be Josie Douglas, by the way. That would be my name. <laughs> <laughs> Jets fans would not be happy with that. Uh, no, uh, I, I don't get the sense that the Jets have in their plans to make a big move like that for Lamar Jackson. Uh, some of it's contractual. I think I think right now their hands are full with, with trying to get Aaron here and having that fit mm-hmm. and building their team around a player with that type of style play, not taking away from anything that Lamar does. But, you know, I think a lot of uh, injury issues were, uh, you know, it was a concern for Baltimore. It's a concern for other players, for other teams, excuse me. You know, that, that, that's that been the common thread. Yes, the guarantee money has been a problem for every organization, but his health ha- comes up all the time. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know if the New York Jets would be willing to try to willing to pay that much money for someone that they're not sure would be able to play a full season. You cover the National Football League from a national perspective. So, Diana, uh, what do you think about where the Jets are at with Salah and Douglas? I mean, this is uh, Salah's entering year three. Uh, everybody talks about the roster construction. It started seven and four last year. Quarterback health away from being in the postseason, but from where they sit right now, yeah. because Robert continues to allude to the fact that, hey, we've come a long way in two years, and also people are talking about us as a destination. And and I agree with him. And I actually think it's a it's a really good point that you're sitting here very very close to getting Aaron Rodgers pick the New York Jets, and he's picking the New York Jets because of what this roster looks like, which you have to give credit to Joe Douglas. You have to give credit to Robert Sala. Obviously, there's a little bit of, uh, I guess you can call it luck, but it's kind of bad luck, right? Because they've had some good top choices in the draft to build this team. Um, But I think overall, especially if they're able to get Aaron Rodgers here, I mean, how do you not give credit to these guys for being able to to reel it in and get it done and, and, you know, Aaron had an opportunity to sit with them and get to know them a little bit. And granted, we know Aaron wanted to get out of Green Bay, so that helped the Jets' cause. But they did something right in that meeting. Yeah. And I can tell you even from other quarterbacks they spoke to, like Derek Carr, the Jets do a phenomenal job of selling what they're about because they believe in it. And I think that transparency comes across, and I think those are – I think quarterbacks want to play for teams that way, that they don't feel like are are full of it or or, or selling them something that, that they're, they're not truly at the core. And finding identity, I, I think the Jets are still doing that. I, I wouldn't say they completely know who they are right now because they're still putting the pieces together. Right. But they're on their way, which anytime I talk to teams and coaches about putting teams, a roster together, it's always, what are we? It's as simple as that. What do we want to be? And it's hard to figure it out. But when you do, you can identify it quick. You know what team when when you know what a team is, you can build off that and continue to just improve, and it becomes an easier path versus the teams that we've seen across the league over years and years, where you're like, I don't even know what they're doing. What is this? Uh, so so yeah, I, I I give them a really high grade, uh, Joe Douglas and, and Robert Sala at this point for sure. Young pieces in, in place on both sides of the ball. DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, defensive rookie year at cornerback. 
they entered free agency wondering maybe what was going to happen with Quincy Williams. He stayed off the market. He resigns. Mm-hmm. They pair him up in the middle with C.J. Mosley. Quinn and Williams had a great year last year on the inside. Robert Sala made it clear today that Carl Lawson isn't going anywhere. I know a lot of people were looking at his financial number and saying, hey, uh, potentially maybe the Jets move on there. Absolutely. But he, he said, no, hey, pass rushers don't grow on yep. trees. Corey Davis as well was yeah. another name right. that popped up that I was really surprised that he mentioned is going to be on this roster. And look, things can change. Yep. Things always change. But at this point, the I don't know how they're going to be able to, to do this. And I mean, let's just start with the receiver room. I mean, talk about looking completely different now than what we saw the last few seasons. Um, and, and I do think some of their signings have been fantastic and, and you're getting really good guys. You're getting leadership. And obviously Lazar brings a lot and his relationship with the, with the offensive coordinator and eventually with Rogers, if he does wind up in New York, by the way, I can't wait to talk about this and just be able to say Aaron Rodgers, the New York Jets quarterback, <laughs> right? It's just like the potential quarterback, the, maybe the guy. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's definitely committed to, to those guys and keeping them here, which, you know, more power to them to be able to figure out how this is going to work with the salary cap and bringing Aaron Rodgers and what they're going to have to pay him. Um, but like I said, this this goes back to what I was, you know, giving them credit for, which is that figuring out their identity. And those are pieces they they believe are part of that. What do you think Rodgers thinks when he looks at the offense? When you're talking about a guy, Brees Hall went down week seven last year, but he looked like he was well on his way to having an unbelievable season. Garrett Wilson had 1,100 yards receiving despite playing with three different starting quarterbacks. Elijah Vera Tucker, one of the most versatile young offensive yeah. linemen in football. It, when Rodgers looks at some of the pieces or any potential veteran Jets quarterback, w- w- what do you think they see? The Jets added McCall uh, Harmon Jr., uh, Alan Lazard. Uh, you know, we mentioned Wilson before. I think you have to wipe the drool right off his face, <laughs> right? You look at what Aaron's had to do in Green Bay and the pieces he's had to play with and – you know, they always say the great quarterbacks make those around them better. And, and, you know, that is just, it's, it's why he's a hall of famer, a future hall of famer, um, because he has that ability. So now you're going to put him on a field with guys that have this talent. And, you know, we, we, we could probably sit here and talk for an hour about whether or not having young players is good or bad because they're impressionable and young and they don't have that much experience. And they're going to have this quarterback who's seen it all and knows all uh, when it comes to the game. And, and I think it can work. I think that mix is going to be good. Teddy Bruski and I were having a conversation about this uh, defensive group mm. um, being young and having Aaron Rodgers come out here. And and I thought Teddy brought up something so interesting. He said, you know, if I'm Sala, I'm getting in the faces of these guys, the, these young defensive players going, you better get all over Aaron Rodgers in practice and and talk trash and push and show him that you guys aren't going to get pushed around because it's your team. It's not Aaron Rodgers' mm. team. And I was debating with him on TV about this. I was like, look, Aaron Rodgers coming to New York, it's Aaron Rodgers' team. <laughs> let's, uh, let's call it what it is. But Teddy's point was, if you want this team to build, to be built the right way, mm. past just this year, it's got to become a Jets team that's about the defense and their strength and then let all the other pieces that you just went through and named be sort of the cherry the sprinkles on on top of it all Mm. um and i just thought that was really interesting so now i can't wait for camp if this all happens and i want to see if this could be a philosophy that this team could have possibly to try to set the tone of yeah we're young 
but we're good and and we're talented and and we're a group that's going to grow together and do some big things in new york but it's our team and you're just an ed piece so we will see well we've had a lot of fun uh, talking to you and i got a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot of diana rossini coming up in 2023 as far as the jets are concerned i can't wait i love covering the jets they're one of my favorite teams uh, and when they're good, it, it, there, there is nothing better than being a resident of New Jersey than when the New York Jets are good. It's just everyone's just a little happier. What's on with that? Thanks. Jets fans, we're in our final push and the clock is ticking. WinBet is giving you a golden opportunity to win VIP prizes for the 2023 season. The WinBet Green Room is the most exclusive space at the stadium with all-inclusive food and beverage, lower-level seats, and appearances by Jets legends and celebrities. New Jersey customers, all you need to do is wager at least $100 on WinBet Sportsbook or Casino. For New York customers, all you need to do is wager at least $100 on WinBet's Sportsbook. The best part? You get an entry for every $100 you wager. Official podcast is presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. We're joined by Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. You have fascinating perspective because you were on the Green Bay beat back, right. back in the day in 2008 mm-hmm. when Brett Favre found a new home with the New York Jets. So when you're seeing all this unfold right now, with the Jets searching for a veteran quarterback and Aaron Rodgers going on Pat McAfee's show and saying his intention is to play in 2023 and his intention is he'd like to play with the New York Jets. What what goes through your mind? Well, you'd see so many parallels between the situations, not just the teams involved, but if you look back at the timeline with Favre, it was they wanted a decision prior to free agency. Certainly the Packers in this case wanted one from Rogers as well with Favre, He actually retired on March 6th was his press conference. And by the end of the month, he was already thinking I want to come back. Aaron just kind of skipped over that part, but Aaron going on Pat McAfee is Brett Favre going on Greta Van Susteren mm. and did this lengthy interview that aired over two days. Cause it was so much stuff. And if you knew Brett, I mean, he would just talk and talk and talk. And he was a fascinating guy to cover because you never really knew where he was going with an answer. Right. And so he's very much like kind of talking it out on national TV. And Aaron kind of has done the same thing really for you know years on McAfee, but certainly um, in that interview uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's very interesting to, to see the parallels. There are probably some key differences as well, which right. is that, you know, with Aaron, he's actually older than Brett was at that time. He which is crazy this year. About. Brett was yeah. 37, I think, going on 38. Um, and obviously the way that the trade is playing out is completely different too, because in the case of Favre, it was a true trade and it didn't play out till August. It required Brett. I mean, there was all that back and forth through the whole spring and the interviews and everything. And Brett was saying, I want to come back. The Packers were saying, no, we're moving on with Aaron. Whereas in this case, you know, fairly clear at this point that the Packers are okay. Moving on to Jordan love. Certainly if Aaron had said, I'm coming back. I'm all in. I'll be here in the offseason. We're going we're gonna to win one here. Packers would have had him back. They signed him to the contract last year with that idea in mind. But once it becomes him thinking about the options, you know, they're okay moving on. So with Brett, they actually shopped him, you know, made trade calls. There were two teams involved. It was the Bucks and the Jets. It, Brett wanted to go to the Bucks because he wanted to face the Packers. I think they played in like week four that year. Yeah. He wanted to go to Tampa 
Ted Thompson, um, who was a wonderful gentleman, passed away uh, not that long ago, didn't want him in the conference. So he ends up trading him to the Jets. Farwood wasn't even all in. And so it was it was Woody and other people in the front office, uh, Mike Tannenbaum, I believe, yes. at that time. And they basically convinced Brett to come there. In this case, this is Aaron saying, I want to go there. I intend to play. I intend to play for the Jets. Now it's a matter of what does that look like in terms of the trade compensation, because it's certainly going to be a lot more than what the Packers got for Favre, which was a mid-round pick. So what are you hearing now as the league meetings get underway as far as where we are with compensation? Obviously, the Jets can only say so much. They can't tamper. Right. And Robert Sala said this week that, hey, you had a good meeting with Aaron and Joe's going to do his due diligence and and whatnot. But what are you hearing as far as compensation? They're not far apart, but they're not close yet. And that could change even the next couple of days here because I, I ran to Brian Gutekunst this morning. I'm sure Joe Douglas is here somewhere. Uh, I would imagine that there's a conversation that will occur. But really, you don't have a pressure point right now. It doesn't matter to the Jets if Aaron Rodgers is officially on the team now or in a month or, frankly, you know, until you get to start a training camp. I mean, even if it's in the spring, Aaron knows the offense. He's, he's re- reuniting with Nathaniel Hackett. He knows that scheme inside and out. He can bring the players out to throw with them in California if he needs to. All kinds of different things you can do. The pressure point for the Packers exists before the draft. Right. It's going to be if you want to get picks in this year's draft, or a pick in this year's draft, and then it's probably a, a, a future pick as well, it needs to happen now. The way the GMs historically have looked at draft picks is if you push it back a year, it's like downgrading it by a round. In other words, a second rounder this year is worth a first rounder next year. So are you actually going to get more value if you go beyond that draft and you essentially devalue those types of picks? Do they think that they can create a pressure point on the Jets prior to the start of training camp or the regular season that, hey, if we don't get what we're asking for, we're going to mess up your whole season by not letting Aaron show up. We may not trade him to you till late. And then the Jets could say, all right, we're not going to trade for him at all. What are you going to do? You're going to carry him on the roster? Aaron could show up. And that's where if we get past the draft, we go into full-on crazy town. Right. Then anything can really happen here. There's a there's certainly an interest in for both sides in getting this thing done before the draft. Do you think it happens before the draft? If it does I'm not happen. making any <laughs> bets on anything here. Right. I would just say it makes logical sense that this gets done and it probably gets done at the last possible moment, which would be draft week. You visited the Jets facility last week. What do you think about the construction of the roster and what Joe Douglas has done and where Robert Sala is at with this group? Sala's going to be entering year three. One of the things that stood out to me today is that he made it clear when people are asking about the quarterback is that, hey, We've come a long way in two years. Yeah, this is a no destination doubt. now. Right. I mean, I think that that's what Robert said is completely fair, which is you would not have thought this would be a possibility. And yes, Nathaniel Hackett is certainly part of it. Mm. I thought that it was important and very intentional on Aaron's um, on Aaron's end to come out and say what he did on Pat McAfee about Nathaniel Hackett because people watched last year and it becomes this narrative about Hackett because of, frankly, week one. It's a nationally televised game, his first game ever. There's a you know, kind of a strange ending there. There were a lot of complicating factors, ones that people don't really understand with that. But it also became, well, he's not a good coach. Daniel Hackett is a really, really good football coach. And there's a lot of people who have been around him who have a high degree of respect for him. Alan Lazard talked about it too, his introductory press conference. So Aaron never does anything by accident. When he says something like that, it's intentional. He wants to say, listen, 
I, I want everyone in New York to understand this is my guy. Yeah. I love Nathaniel Hackett. But there's, yeah, there's more to it than that. I mean, if this were a bad roster, you still are going to have problems. You know, Aaron can't assistant GM his way to making over the entire team. There's certain guys, certainly, that he's played with in the past that he would like to be a part of the team. But I mean, look at the look at last year's draft class alone. Right. I mean, it looks like you have four absolute studs between Brees Hall, who might have been the rookie of the year if he doesn't get hurt. Garrett Wilson was the rookie of the year. Sauce Gardner was the rookie of the year. And then um, the defensive line, Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson. Somebody had Jeremiah yeah. in my head. Jermaine <laughs> Johnson. Um, you know, he would be, we'd be talking about him too if there wasn't so much depth in terms of the edge rushing group. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really, it's a really good roster. There's still certainly some things with the offensive line that you need to firm up. There were all kinds of injuries there last year. That was kind of a mess. Uh, and I think also, I don't think it should be overlooked. This may be new life for Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. I really believe that because he has a, already has a relationship with Aaron. Yes. Aaron will take him under his wing. He will try to help him. And Hackett's somebody who just can kind of infuse positivity. He did it for Aaron. Like Aaron was, you know, in a, I don't want to say a dark place, but he was not enjoying football the same way until Matt and and Nathaniel and that staff got there. And, you know, and Rogers has talked about that. What, you know, whatever Zach Wilson is feeling right now, and I think that everybody would agree, whatever you think about the way he's played, this is not the guy that you thought you were getting at number two. If if Hackett can bring that type of energy back to Zach Wilson, he'll be running scout team. You know, he won't be with the starters. There's no pressure on him. Uh, I, I don't think that there's any urge, certainly, to give up on the guy. You might be able to kind of, you know, revive at least the hope that this guy can develop and maximize his potential. Aaron Rodgers back-to-back MVPs under the guidance of Nathaniel Hackett and LaFleur in Green Bay 2020 and 2021. What do you make of what is out there still as far as the Jets and names being connected in free agency? Uh, Robert was asked about Ben Jones, a former Titans center uh, today. Uh, Odell Beckham, uh, we hear a lot of talk about him as well. Uh, One thing that really caught my ears is when he was asked about Zeke Elliott, he said, I love my running back room. Let's put it that way. Well, I mean, you've got depth in that room between Michael Carter, um, Bam Knight. You know, you you have guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think there's a place for Ezekiel Elliott somewhere in the league. Everybody who's been around, Zeke says, you know, he's a really hard worker. Like, he does bring – I talked to Mike McCarthy this morning. He was saying he has this bright light inside him that just kind of it, – it has an impact on your team. But yeah, do they need another running back? Probably not. I do think that there's a possibility of adding another receiver. I do think that some of those guys who are Rodgers guys who are unsigned right now, like Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, those are certainly possibilities mm-hmm. uh, somewhere down the line. But you also have to be careful balancing that, even bringing in a guy like Odell, which I, I certainly would not rule out even after they uh, sign me Cole Hartman. But it's you got Garrett Wilson, who's going to want to be a high-volume player. Yeah. I, mean, I know they love Garrett. I've gotten to know him a little bit. You know, he's just he's, he's a good dude, but he's competitive now. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've seen him, you know, like <laughs> oh, yeah. on, the, on the sideline, like he's – He's going to feel it. So, you know, if you got that player who you want to get 100 plus targets to, now if you had an Odell, now you've got these other guys. You got Lazard, who you just paid a bunch of money. Now, if you bring in Cobb, in other words, you have to be conscientious of that. Yeah. You want to give yourself options, which again, Joe's done a great job building up the roster, not just the frontline guys, but the depth is way better than it was a couple of years ago. That's going to be a balancing act, but absolutely. Could they sign another receiver? I, I, 
believe that that is a, a possibility. That yes. wide receiver room has changed. I don't want to say it's dramatic, but you mentioned Wilson. Of course, he's the headliner. He's going to be the headliner here for a number of years to come. But uh, enter Hardman, a guy who is a sub 4 4 burner. He can score any which way. And then Lazard brings some size on the outside, 6'5, 227 pounds. And Salah made sure to throw Corey Davis out there a number of times. I know a lot of Jets fans that talk about him in past tense, but Salah made it clear tonight. Right, and I think that if there were the right trade offer, that would be potentially something that they're open to. Teams have tried to trade for Corey Davis in the past. Mm-hmm. He's got no guaranteed money left on his deal, but you don't have to do anything uh, with him right now. I think that you know, with Lazard, uh, one of the things that gets overlooked with him is the blocking. Yeah. It is the physical presence. You know, he was the guy in Green Bay who you, know, you need somebody to go dig out a safety. That was Alan Lazard. And yeah, he'd, he'd catch the ball too. But he's kind of that that dude who's going to do a lot of that stuff, which is why it was important, Aaron Rodgers or not, to have him in Hackett's offense because right. you, you need that that role to be filled. So with me, Cole, you know, this is one of those buy low types of situations where he's coming off that core muscle injury. He's not healthy yet. You know, they're hoping that he's going to progress here uh, in the coming months and be ready to roll for training camp. Um, but, you know, it's a one year flyer on a guy who can fly. And, <laughs> and um, you know, he, he brings a different type of an element to it, too. Tom, defensively, Robert Salas said before free agency started that we'd like to run it back as much as possible. How important was it for the Jets to retain uh, Quincy Williams? Because he didn't even get to the market. It's a young linebacker. And right. then how about the value from Joe Douglas there sending the seventh in 2024 for Chuck Clark? Well, you could tell with the deal that Quincy Williams got, it was a strong deal for him. I mean, that that shows you how important it was to keep him. I mean, what a remarkable story. The Jaguars yeah. cut him. They don't even want him back on the practice squad. The Jets claim him. And he becomes a highly productive player. Yeah. I mean, that, those those stories don't happen a whole lot. And obviously, you know, people are going to look at you know keeping him around because his brother lives with him, and his brother's a pretty good player too. <laughs> Maybe there's a little bit of that, but no, they they really like they really like uh, like Quincy Williams. And then you know, with Chuck Clark, he was somebody the Ravens really liked early on. Just kind of the the numbers didn't match up for what his role was probably going to be moving forward. They drafted Kyle Hamilton last mm-hmm. year, so a little bit of a backlog at the position, but. I mean, Chuck Clark was really the guy who stepped in when Earl Thomas uh, had his issue and disappeared off the face of the earth uh, after that practice incident. You know, Chuck was, you know, he kind of stepped into a larger role there, you know, and filled, he was a leader on that team too. So it made a lot of sense. I mean, again, these are moves you don't make if you're not expecting to contend. They don't trade for Chuck Clark two years ago. You don't take on a, whatever he's making, $5 million, $6 million safety veteran on this team. And he doesn't necessarily want to come to a place like this, but now, you know, you, you make those types of deals because you're figuring we're close, you know, we're really close. And they were, and they were excellent on defense yeah. last year. I, I was covering the game when oddly enough, they beat the Packers at Lambeau field. And that was driven by that defense. And, you know, sauce was wearing the cheese head around after the game, ran to the lo- wrong locker room, like, you know, for, for good reason. Yeah. You know, he, he played well. And so did that whole unit. Yeah. This is an exciting group that, figures to be playing together for a number of years ahead we really appreciate your time uh let's get out on this ben jones uh center uh formerly with the titans um robert sal was asked about the interest there he said yeah but, you know he, he's somebody we're looking into and then also calais campbell veteran defensive tackle the jets want to beef up the interior they've had Sheldon Rankin's departs in free agency, did, uh, as did nathan shepherd what do you make of where those two guys uh, are at and potentially their fits here. Well, Ben Jones is, you know, he's 
really tough guy. He's played through a lot of injuries. So I don't, you know, have access to knowing kind of where he's at medically speaking right now, just physically. But I mean, great guy. He's made a lot of money for good reason, plays a really important position. They've got a need um, at that spot. And then with Calais, I mean, Calais is one of like the best guys ever. Yeah. Like just, uh, I mean, great locker room guy. Um, Hilarious. Calais Campbell story real quick. So back in 2017, I somehow ended up, even though the Vikings were making a run and I live in Minneapolis, I ended up on the Jaguars beat in the playoffs, which I figured was going to be, you know, probably a you know one-off type of a situation, yeah. but they want to, they want a weird game over the bills. And then the next week they had the uh, Steelers that they were playing. Yes. It was the game that nobody remembers because it was the same day as the Minneapolis miracle. It happened right before that. Mm. And, but it was one of the wildest games of all time. So during the week that I was in Jacksonville between those two games, Calais said to me, we were doing an on-camera interview, and he said and they had beaten the Bills, I want to say, 9-6. to six. It was something, something along the yeah. line. And he goes, man, I don't care if it's 9-6 to six or 45-42. We'll take these wins however we, you know, however we can get them. So I like, you know, that interview goes, you kind of forget what people say. So after the game in Pittsburgh, which they won 45 to 42, a score that had never happened in NFL history. Clay seems goes, you got to get the tape. You got to get the tape. I go back and look. And sure enough, he predicted the exact score. Never happened in NFL history. Just like, I don't care. Nine, six or 45, 42. And like the fact that he remembered it in That's, the moment and was able to like draw on saying that in that interview, like that just, that just speaks to him. He's a, he's a great guy. He's the, one of the biggest humans you'll ever see in your life. Right. Um, he's got one of the great voices too. You know, I can't even do a good class impression, <laughs> but it's like part cookie monster. Um, yeah, I mean, that would make, again, things you would not be doing if you were not at this point that the jets are, I mean, there's, I don't want to put, you know, expectations on him Cause I think that over the last couple of years, there was definitely people thinking too much and too fast. This is a team now that is ready to win and with Aaron Rodgers, There's, there's no question that they should be a contender in 2023 that's a great campbell story because everything comes full circle because i believe the offensive coordinator of that jacksonville jaguars team nathaniel hackett nathaniel hackett tom palacero appreciate your time thank you brother